Today's episode of the RiderFlex podcast is sponsored by our friends at Colorado Startups. Their mission is to connect startups with needed capital and talent to build industry-changing companies in Colorado. They are the largest online community of founders in the state and a great resource for local entrepreneurs building a big company. Dr. Rosina Rossiopi, how you doing, Correct. Rosina? I'm doing great. <laughs> are you are you in Denver this morning? No, I I'm sorry. In, I'm sorry. You're you're in New Jersey. I am in New Jersey. Yeah, right. near the I, beach. Near the beach in New Jersey, actually. Okay. All right. How's your how's your fall so far? Um, it's good. It's good. It's just starting to get a little chilly. Um, but I love this time of year. So it's it's just perfect. Awesome. Well, I have been to Jersey a few times, been to New York many times. Uh, I, I, I love the uh, action, so to speak. If, you, if, if I need, the, if I need yeah. a shot of adrenaline, I, I go to Jersey or New York. If I want to yeah. calm down, I, I stay in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, there's a vibe, right? That it's, it's, oh. um, you just, everything gets sped up just a little bit. I will never forget the first time I stepped out of Grand Central Station onto the street in New York, my first visit. The first time I stepped onto the street, I was like, whoa, the energy level here is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, I do like that. But sometimes you need a break from it, too, because it can be a bit overwhelming. Oh, I just heard the Jersey accent in there, just right there, just right, just a little bit. Tell me, tell me about yourself a little bit. Give me the personal overview, some, some childhood stuff, family stuff. Go for it. Uh, so, you know, I grew up in, I'm a Jersey girl. I grew up in New Jersey. My parents are, or were, I should say, Depression era children. My father uh, and mother grew up during the Depression. My father fought in World War II. Um, my father was a coal miner, never graduated high school because at the time during the Depression, he needed to go to work. Um, and one of the stories I love about my dad is he wanted to learn how to drive and no one in his family drove. They didn't have a car. So he bought a car and he bought a book and he read the book and that's how he taught himself to drive. Um, <laughs> and so I think, you know, it's really important because my parents were a part of that great generation where you know, the only limitations that they saw were the limitations that were self-imposed. So right. Right. Um, I grew up in a family of an older brother and I was not treated any differently because than he, um, there was an expectation that I would do well in school and, and I would go to college. My father, because he did not have formal education, felt very strongly that we pursue education. Hmm. Um, and you know, there was never a difference in how I was treated for my brother. Right. So, mm. you know, imagine when I started working and, you know, people were dismissing me or not, uh, oh, listening. Geez. I thought they just didn't hear me. So I just, you know, spoke <laughs> louder. <laughs> um, uh. but I, I had wanted to go to school. I went to, um, my undergraduate is in criminal justice. Um, and the best school at the time in the 70s was Michigan State. So I decided to apply to the top three schools. I got into all three of them and nice. went, went to Michigan. Wasn't thinking that I'd have snow up to my eyeballs for most <laughs> of the time that I was there. Um, 
but graduated from Michigan State with an undergraduate in, um, in criminal justice, wanted to pursue a career that helped individuals that were victims of crime overcome you know, those wow. crimes and what they were victimized with. Um, and I graduated during a recession. So there were no jobs. Mm. Um, and mm. while I was in college, I worked during the summer for ITT and their HR department. Okay. Um, and so I thought, well, gee, you know, I'm, there are no jobs. And my father was like, you have a degree, tick tock, get a job. <laughs> um, so I leveraged that experience into a career. The first part of my career was really in running HR departments. I launched a career in HR. Um, and I, I have to say, I, I loved, loved being in HR. I worked mostly in manufacturing companies, chemical companies. Um, but I loved being in HR because you were sitting kind of on the sidelines of the organization, but you can see kind of where the dysfunction was. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I would work with the business leaders to say, you know, this is your goal. Here's how we need to ready the workforce so we can accomplish our goals. Um, so I loved it. I loved being in HR. I loved working in manufacturing in the chemical industry. Um, it really was very enjoyable. Did HR have the same voice back then that it has today? Uh, you know, now t today they, yeah, I think, I think I know the answer, but. I <laughs> know. Uh, you know, I, when I first started, it wasn't even HR, it was personnel. You know, oh, personnel. That's right. That's personnel. right. Personnel. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it really didn't. And, you know, I do think, and I can remember one of the first companies where I was uh, the director of personnel, um, I was not even 30. Uh, so I was wow. on the management team, not, on, not even 30. And the, the other executives, they had children my age, and I was the only woman on the team. Oof. Um, and so, you know, it really... I have to say, I, I really credit the fact that my parents gave me a strong sense of myself in order to navigate um, that time because I wasn't, I wasn't afraid um, and I, I certainly wasn't afraid to leverage my voice, um, but it was, it was challenging. It was frustrating because there were things that I was looking to accomplish and move forward and, you know, the first couple months, I was not getting the traction that I thought I should get. Mm -hmm. And so I had to keep trying different ways to kind of get people's attention to the matters that I thought were important. Right. Um, and it took a while for me to get, get the rhythm. Um, but once I did, you know, I, I ended up having, um, learning how to frame my areas of concern in a way that people understand understood the impact of the business because mm. when you work in a staff role people don't understand that you get the business case right and, and hr sometimes people don't they talk about the the touchy-feely stuff but they don't talk about the you know there's a drivers to business that hr provides um, and so i always spoke about the business uh, and the people impacting the business um so that people saw that I was a business partner. I was not, you know, just, you know, someone who planned picnics. <laughs> right. When you went back to you to get some of your continuing education, did you, did you want to go into teaching? Did you want to be a college professor? Was that part of the, I mean, when I look at your profile, I'm like, yeah. well, 
well, does she want to be a professor? But then HR kind of roped her in. I was trying to figure that out. Yeah, you know, I always wanted to go back to school. I actually tried to go back to school after our oldest daughter was born, but then realized I was trying to do too much. You know, okay. work, go to school, have a family was a, yeah. you know, my plate was overflowing. Mm -hmm. um, but after I was um, leading Women Unlimited, um, uh, several people that I know were attending this program at the University of Pennsylvania. And um, two women had told me about it and, and had used the same phrase, Rosina, you should really check out this program. Okay. And so the program at the University of Pennsylvania is a doctoral program for chief learning officers, right? So it's about readying the workforce using learning um, to drive the development of the workforce for tomorrow. Okay. And I thought, wow, and I love, I mean, if I, if someone would pay me to go to school the rest of my life, I would <laughs> my well, kids all thought I was crazy because they don't, they didn't have the same love of it as I did. No, I had that same thought, but that's when I was 21 and I wanted to keep going to school so I could just party and have a good time. <laughs> that too, right? Um, so it was actually, I went back, I went to the University of Pennsylvania as our youngest daughter was starting her college career. Wow. So she went wow. to Temple and I went to the University of Pennsylvania uh, in Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so that was really the driver behind that. And it was a great experience. Um, and it taught, it also helped me. I'm a firm believer in taking a step back from your business to get a sense um, outside of it, talking to people who are external to yes, the work that yes, you do. Good advice. Yep to verify the value that you're bringing to your customers, right? So, you know, we've been doing this work at Women Unlimited for 26 years. Companies that we partner with, over 200 of them, you know, when we talk to them, they really value the work. And, and we hear things that are great to hear, mm -hmm. but I'm not hearing those things on the edges that if we could do one little thing differently, it would create bigger impact, right? So I saw this as an opportunity to step take a step out of the business, talk to people who didn't really know the work that I did and get a better sense of how can I make it better? What can I do differently? Mm. I'm going to guess the first doctorate in your family. <laughs> uh, the first doctorate in my family. Yes. Yeah. Congra congratulations. I mean, Thanks. Hey, you got your doctorate. You raised two daughters. You said two daughters. Yeah. Two daughters married to the same guy the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. stay, stayed married, which is yep. just, that, that's an accomplishment by itself. <laughs> raised, two, raised two daughters, had a, great, had a great career, kept moving up, getting advancements. And oh, by the way, went to school at night and part-time on the weekends to get my doctorate. Hey, right. congratulations. Pretty, pretty solid. Yeah. Pretty solid. How did you, so tell us how, walk us into how you got involved with Women Unlimited real quick. Walk us through that. So um, I met the founder, Jean Ott, when I was head of HR for a chemical business. Um, it, she started her business based on her network, and she knew the, the chief HR officer of the, of the company I worked for. Um, and so I met her. And, and um, you know, it is all about relationships, right? How we can grow. So I met her. I sponsored women in the program. I was, in, I was a mentor. I was involved in the program. She asked me for feedback, things that I, I thought that she could do differently. And what started as a professional friendship, which many of us have, grew into a personal friendship. Ah. 
Um, and so she was just starting her business. She had just launched it in New York. She was growing it in other areas. Um, I had just had, um, my second daughter was born. I was coming back into the workforce and, and really thinking about, you know, I wasn't feeling challenged um, in the work that I did. Um, I was, I felt like I was constantly repeating. I wasn't learning and growing. And and that was always dangerous for me. And whenever mm. I got bored, I moved on to a different challenge. <laughs> um, and around that time, Jean said to me, look, would you love to, to come and work with me? And I thought, wow, this is great. It, it marries two things that I really love. Uh, I love helping people find what I always call their career joy, right? There's a lot of stuff that we can do well. I mean, all of us have capabilities that we can contribute to our organization, but there's a subset of our skills that when we're using those, we're really happy. We're excited mm -hmm. about the work that we're doing. We really get a, get a, a charge out of it. And I, I've always seen people that, you know, they're in roles that they're functionally capable of completing the, the work. Um, and then there are people that are in roles that they're really just, they are thriving. They are really just so excited about the work and and really you're better off when you're excited about your work right mm, yes, not just functionally able to do it yep yep so, so we help women find that joy right find that spot uh where they can contribute create impact for themselves and their business when you first yeah. came on did, did she bring you on as president or you moved up or no i when i came in i was running the east coast so i ran all the programs in new york new jersey and boston Oh, and I, I corporate partners and, and yeah. And then you moved your way up. Why don't you give us a give us a three minute elevator pitch on Women Unlimited as it stands today? Like for the listeners that have no idea what we're talking about, boom, give it to us. So we partner with Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 companies who have a desire to have women advance in their organization. Our experiential development programs are focused on three key career inflection points where women tend to get stuck in the pipeline. Um, and the women attend external programs, so they're part of a cohort group of women from other companies, mm. where we help them identify their strengths, but most importantly, create a, a career strategy to help them achieve their goals. And how does the business model work? Walk us through the business side of it. Do you, you sign up the, the, the company pays for the programs or what do they pay by, by person, by month? Can you walk us through the model if you don't mind? Sure. So we, the, the corporate, the company is our client, not the women. The women are the beneficiaries and so is the company, right? Um, so they will, we have programs that are, the cadence is spring and fall. So we have programs that go throughout the year. The programs are either six months or a year long. And um, they pay by participant. So we have, we are, we've been doing this for 26 years. We have some companies who have been working with us for 26 years. Wow. Um, How about yeah. that? So we work not only with the women, but also their managers and senior leaders. So the result is that the women certainly gain the insight of how, to, how they can navigate their career to achieve their goals. But what I think is even more powerful is we work with the women's managers and senior leaders so that um, the culture of the organization starts evolving to create a landscape that is more 
um, conducive for women to advance and grow their careers. Mm. Pitch me if you don't mind. Pretend like I'm a CEO and you're pitching me the program. I, I have no idea who you are. You're, you're like, hey, you guys need my program. How would you pitch it to me if, if I didn't know anything and you were talking to me as a CEO? And what's, but, well, by the way, what's your target? Is it Fortune 500, Fortune 1000? Fortune 1000, um, and it's really about companies who see as a business imperative having more women advance through the organization, right? Okay. So the, the business case, um, which has been proven for at least the last 10, 15 years, the more women that are in senior leadership roles, um, the companies that have that representation are mm -hmm. more profitable and more successful. Well, are you sure? Are you are you showing me those stats when you're pitching me? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and we have the stats, and, and many, you know, it's all. The problem is, this is really hard work, right? So, in general, organizations, it's cultures. Think about the way that you work together, the way mm -hmm. that we cooperate to get work done. Those rules and the way that we behave are very male centric, right? Mm -hmm. And very white male centric, to mm -hmm. be to be clear. So anybody who's different, anybody who has a different way of thinking, it's hard for them to understand how do I behave with this group of people in a way that allows me to rise in the same way, right? Mm, I see, I see. Couple, couple that with the fact that women have a different expectation of organizations than men do. And this is a generalization. Most okay. women come out of school outperforming their male their male classmates. They do better in school. They, they, they go for that A and then they get the A every time. Women then start working and they expect to be successful in business the same way they were successful in school, not recognizing it takes more than just being the smartest kid in the classroom. Right? <laughs> we need to build relationships. We need right, to understand, right. you know, what exactly are the important things that I need to be focused on rather than trying to do everything? And because women tend to not get the guidance, career guidance and feedback that they need, they end up believing my work should just speak for itself. Mm. And they're, they're, they're given a false sense of comfort because in your early career, doing good work is what allowed you to rise through the organization. I'm an accountant, I do really good work, I then become a senior accountant, an accounting manager. And then there's this stall that happens when I have to, I'm at a role where I need to work more broadly with people, maybe with people that are different than me, and I need to be effective with them. And no one's telling me, gee, maybe you need to do a little bit less of this or a little bit more of that, or think about, you know, this other aspect of your development. So without getting that guidance, women are just bumping around and hoping to advance, but they're not being successful. So you see women get to that middle of the organization where there's a lot of women and you see them then just start leaving. They get frustrated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When I did my research, what women would say to me is, you know, I'm working really hard, um, you know, and I'm, I feel that I'm more effective than the guy who gets promoted so they get very discouraged. So they mm. just leave their company going to another company only to experience the same thing over and over again. That, so same, thing, not, that, same, that same thing doesn't happen to guys though? Um, I think it, I, again, that's an, it tends to happen more to women than it Why does to men. Why? Why is that? 
Because I think men, um, again, this is a generalization, men yeah. more are more open to hearing and getting feedback from others. They'll, they'll, they'll help each other out. Mm. Um, I remember reading this article, and this is about 10 years ago. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal about how uh, younger people were dressing uh, when they were going to work. The young, yeah, they were a little less, a little more casual, too casual for what a business environment should be. Mm-hmm. But what bothered me, what I thought was interesting about this article is that the older men in the firm were going to the younger men saying, you know, if you want to be successful young man, you need to, you know, wear a suit, wear a tie, dress more appropriately to be taken seriously. Um, and the young men said, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. You know, took the guidance. The yep. More senior women reached out to the younger women and said, you know, if you want to be taken more seriously, and instead of being open to it, the young women were like, you don't know what you're talking about. Ah, interesting. So, so, which is bothersome to me, right? So we need to understand, as we're growing our career, the importance of getting guidance and feedback mm-hmm. and building, the, fostering those relationships that keep us informed about ourselves and our business. That's one of the one of the tenets of the learning design that we have in our programs is helping women understand how do I build and foster relationships that keep me informed as a businesswoman. Because, Talk to me. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you right there. Well, because no matter how smart I am, the only thing I know is what I know, mm. right? So. Talk to me about the programs and the, and the, the length of time. Uh, I don't even, maybe you want to talk about the pricing. Maybe you don't, I don't know. But I mean, I guess as a CEO, I'm just wondering, I mean, so I, I ran a couple of $40 million companies as a CEO before Riderflex. So my CEO brain is going, how long does this take? How many minutes are you going to take from, from my employee that needs to do work? And how much does this cost me? Right. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. We, um, we the programs run either six months or a year. Oh the wow! Women, the wow. women, the women attend the program um, for a full day a month for that. So it's one day a month for six oh, months, or one okay. day a month for a year. Okay. Um, most of the companies um, have other internal development programs uh-huh. um, that are that I would say that teach individuals how to be a manager or a leader. Our programs are much more um, increase their self-awareness so they understand what is it that I need to do when I'm going back to my organization to be more effective. Mm-hmm. So I they, like, yeah, I like that model. One, I like that one day a month, six months, great model. I mean, I'm just thinking about it from your side. First of all, you, you're only pulling the employee away one day a month. That's, right. not, a, that's not a big deal. But secondly, you're tying them into a six-month commitment of recurring cash for six months on the program, which is a good model. I like it. I like it. Did yeah. you put that in? Did you put that in place? It's always been that way. And, and, the, and, really? we, and, the, and the companies pay before the women start. Very. Oh, they paid the whole six months up front. Correct. Oh, I like the model even better. Of <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. it. And I'm, I'm guessing at this, at this stage, you guys have been in business for so many years. You probably have all kinds of stats and reports where you're showing, look, here's all the, here's all the companies we've serviced. Here's all the results. Here's the, you know, they've retained people longer. They've moved up. They've advanced faster. I'm sure you have all of that. 
we do. I mean, we certainly the companies that we partner with boast a higher retention of their high potential talent, um, not only the, the women, but also the men. So, um, you know, we, we partner with really with good companies that get it. You know, this is hard work. It's not easy to create a landscape where diverse talent can grow and navigate, uh, grow their careers. Mm -hmm. um, so it takes a lot of intention. Now, I always say this isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. I like um, so it. You, you need to be prepared for that. I like it. Let's let's switch gears down. Let me. I want to I want you to tell me about your book. Tell me tell me about the book a little bit. Uh, yeah. Tell me how to buy it. Give me give me the overview. Go for it. So uh, you can get it on Amazon. It's Relationships Matter, and it really is one of my passions is helping women in particular, but individuals in general understand the power relationships have as we're navigating our careers and growing our careers. The power of relationships, okay. The power, and, and it's important to have, you know, that network of people that pull your perspective, right? That, that challenge your thinking, um, especially as if you're, if you're an entrepreneur or if you're moving into a senior level um, in an organization, it's, it's not, it's not good enough to just rely on what you know. You need to be able to talk to people who are in a different field, a different mm -hmm. function, so that you understand the complement of thinking, the complement of how they're seeing the business challenges, how they're approaching maybe solving a problem, mm -hmm. so that you can look at that and have yes. that augment your thinking as you're looking to create solutions for your business. Isn't that the problem with, with leaders so often? They get so busy, they're running their business, they're talking to just a few people in the organization and they do not take time to venture out and talk to others outside the organization or outside of their function expertise. And then they don't grow and develop, right? Because they just, they're, they're so busy, you know, then they're, trying, then they're trying to rush to the gym or they're trying to rush home to spend time with the kids. Yeah. It, what's the name of the book again? Give, me, give us the full title. It's Relationships Matter. How women use developmental networks to step in their power and influence. And available on Amazon. Uh, available on Amazon. And do, did you do an audio? Do, do you have Audible? I do not have an audio. Oh, I think you should. You have a great voice, especially with the Jersey accent. You know, you then you could, <laughs> then you could get all those treadmill those treadmill book listeners. I'll need to think about doing that. I was encouraged <laughs> to do that, and maybe I'll rethink that. Oh, I think so. Yeah, because I've listened to several of your podcasts now, and uh, you do very well on camera and in audio. So I think it'd be great uh, for sure. Plus, that's a selfish request on my part because almost every book I read, I listen to it while I'm on the treadmill in the mornings. So. <laughs> <clears throat> it's done at once. Well, yeah, right. When when did you launch the book? Um, March of this year. Oh. Oh, so, <laughs> oh man. Talk about timing. Oh, wow. Uh, that's so funny. So for the, for the viewers that don't realize, we're, we're recording this in October of 2020, but she launched it in March of 2020. Yeah, you know, never been my forte, I guess. <laughs> but hey, if, you know, I mean, uh, if it can sell in this, in this situation that we're in, I mean, hey, next year, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, wow. Okay. Very good. Thank you for sharing that about the book. I want to ask you a couple of questions here on general advice now for female executives, women executives, and advancing to a, a C-level. So first question, I guess, is this. 
What would you say to the young lady that is at a, we'll call it a manager level or coordinator level, but really wants to move up to an executive level, VP or higher? Um, nobody's paying attention. Uh, she's trying to get moved up. She's frustrated. What would you tell her today? Um, I would tell her to think about um, and identify who are the people in her organization that are the key influencers? Who are the decision makers? Mm, good. Um, pull out your org chart. Who are the people that need to know you? And then make an appointment to talk to them. One of the one of women's greatest challenge, and I hear this from women all the time, is you know, I really don't like to talk about myself. I um mm, you know, mm, I want mm. my work to speak for me. Um and I, I'll say to them, well, you know, I get it. But first of all, you don't know how people are interpreting your work. They don't, you don't know what they're seeing. You don't know what they're valuing. And the other piece, and this is the more critical part, business leaders need to understand the resources available to them to solve the organization's problems. If you don't tell people what you're bringing to the team, they're not going to put you into play. You're right. You're so right. And you have to tell people what you want. They can't oh. read your mind. I, right. I've right. said this, I've said this on so many interviews so already. So the listeners are probably getting tired of hearing it, but I can't tell you how many times in my career as a, as an executive, somebody would come to me afterwards and say, well, I noticed you gave Johnny that, that one job. I wanted that job. And I, and I would always say, well, you never talked to me about it. You never said you wanted to move up. You never showed me any signs whatsoever that you wanted to advance or you wanted more responsibility. Meanwhile, Johnny was knocking on my door every week telling me he wanted to move up. I mean, yeah, yeah you have to tell him. You, you got to scream it out loud. When I, when I was working in HR um, in the chemical industry, I would meet with the, the president to talk about our high potential talent and talk about different experiences we wanted to give them to get them ready for that big job right mm, mm, so everybody yeah. knew that i was doing it and all the guys would would be taking me out to lunch telling me everything they wanted to do the women i would have to go and find them and say well what do you think what do you mm, want to do mm, where do you mm, see yourself mm, mm. um you have to let people know your point is spot on and yeah. and you know what's so great about that if you say to somebody you know i would love to run a business um, I see that. What are the experiences? What should I be doing to ready myself for that? Right? So you're planting seeds. You're letting people know, hey, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. she's interested in, in doing something big. Let's make sure that we give her different projects, different yes. experiences. And you know, for women, um, and this is true today as it was 26 years ago, women need roles where they, they're managing P&L. They do. Uh, Absolutely. So critical to put yourself in a P&L responsibility position where you're managing budgets, you're managing ex expenses. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And it's, and you have to speak the business. You can't just talk about the work. You have to talk about the work and the impact it has to your customers, to the business, to fostering more potential in a given area. You know, you have to weave the story so people understand you get it. It really is about marketing yourself, you know, to a, to a large degree. If you want to use a big word to kind of be the umbrella for everything, you like, you have to, I mean, you have to sell yourself and market yourself. You cannot just lower your head, do all the tactical work and be quiet at your cubicle and hope somebody taps you on the shoulder for promotion. That's not how it works. Yeah. 
<laughs> I remember one of my colleagues tell me, you know, Rosita, you're a great saleswoman. I'm like, oh, I'm in HR. I don't sell. He goes, you're selling everybody every day. You're selling them on ideas and things you want them to do for the business. You're always selling. Yeah, so, so you important. have to sell yourself too. I totally agree. How about this? How about this question? Uh, I just got promoted. Well, same thing. Let's go with a, a, a woman that just got promoted first time CEO position, just got the first president and CEO position. What advice would you give her? Let's call it first 90 days. Go for it. Uh, I just think it's getting to know if it's a new organization, not something that you were brought up in. It's really getting alignment around your team, around mm. um, expectations, how you want to work together to accomplish goals. You know, I think one of the most critical things of any leader is to take your team and talk about how do we work together to make sure that we can cooperate to get things done and move the business forward. So what are you, you know, share your vision of where you want to take the organization and then share your vision of how you want to work together to accomplish those goals. Mm, good stuff. You've been the president and CEO for how long now? Oh my goodness. Um, uh, 15 years. 15 years. Okay. So, and how many employees? We have about 50 staff members. Some are employees, some are contractors. Okay. okay. And has that grown over the 15 years or has it kind of been at that stage? Uh, it's grown, I think, more over the past seven years where we've okay. added, uh, broadened our base. Well, that combined with your career overall, especially your HR experience, you've done just a few interviews with candidates. <laughs> well, can you give me, in today's world, two or three pieces of advice for a standard candidate going to a job interview based on the things you're seeing them do and the behaviors you're watching in interviews? Two or three pieces of advice on, hey, if you're about to go for an interview, make sure you do this, this, and this. What would you tell them? So um, by the time I'm, I interview someone, they've already talked to several people. So I always start with, tell me your impression of what this job is. Mm -hmm. And what I, what I look for, what I listen for, I should say, is their understanding of how this role contributes to the work that we're doing in the organization. How Ooh, do you get like to the customer? How do you, uh, you know, I'm, in my heart, I'm just, I'm a businesswoman. I love business. So I want to make sure that everyone that we bring into the team understands not only the role, but what is the essence of this role? What is, what is this role contributing to the organization, contributing to how we move forward? So I listen for that understanding. Love it. Yeah, love it, yeah. love it. <laughs> you know, I just, then, uh, go ahead. No, no, no. You know, I just see the candidates um, come into interviews because, you know, Riderflex is a recruiting firm. So we interview people all day, every day. Right. So, so many of them are just not prepared. They're just not prepared. They just don't do their homework. homework. I, I just really am blown away by that. Now, you're at a level now to where only the ones that did halfway decent in the first interview or two get to you. So most of those people are prepared. Right. Uh, all the ones that weren't prepared got weeded out in the early stages. But uh, I would just say that to the listeners too. just be prepared, do lots of homework on the company, do homework on the people you're going to interview with, have questions ready, all the basics. Rosina, yeah. I tell you that the basics these days of some of the millennials, and I'm picking on millennials, if you're listening to me right now, 
like be ready for the interview. Don't take it so casually. I just, I did two this morning before we started this podcast. Neither one of them had any questions at the end. I just couldn't believe it. I thought, who, who's training these young people to do interviews? It, gets, it drives me nuts. Yeah, I, I think you should just have a standard group of questions, you know, that you could ask about the culture, about the organization, about, you need to appear curious about the organization because they don't want people that are just going to be placeholders. Now, see, that's a great word, curious. Yeah, you have to show some curiosity or else they're not going to be interested in you. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I'm going to ask you two more questions as we head towards wrap up here. Okay. You've had a great career so far. I mean, if you stopped right now and did nothing but play golf all day, you could say, hey, I kicked ass. I had a pretty good run. Um, if, but if you could look back and call the young lady coming out of Michigan State, you know, the day before graduation in 79. I love the fact that you have your year on your LinkedIn profile. I, li I like that when people are bold enough to do that. If you could call her in 79 and tell her anything, knowing what you know now, what would that be? Um, I would tell her to be more in the moment and appreciate each moment more. I was, I was in such a, um, um, I've always, from when I was younger, my mother used to say, I was always like, I, while I, whatever I was doing, I was always thinking about what's next. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I, I was like that a lot in my, I would say my twenties and thirties, like, okay, what's next? What's next? Not really appreciating where I was. Mm -hmm. Um, I so agree. a little bit of too much energy on moving forward and not an appreciation for the moment that you're in. Ooh, that's a good line. I would add on to that. It's not about next necessary. It's not always about next. So many people wrap their lives into, well, if I can just get that job, if I can just get that car, if we can just live in that neighborhood, if I can just get that desk or that office, or whatever. It's like they're all wrapped up into, into next, right? If I can just get to that point, then I'm going to be happy. Right. And that's not reality. You're going to get to that point and then you're going to decide that you have to get to another point and you're going to make up these other destinations you got to get to or these things you have to have to equal happiness. And it's not about that. You really should, like, just like Rosina just said, enjoy the present because as you get older and you get to be the age of me and Dr. Rosina, you're going to realize that you should have enjoyed more of those moments. <laughs> well, and I also think you miss things when you're moving too fast. Yes. So there's a power in stopping and reflecting to make sure, are you really working on the relevant things? Mm. Are you really focused on the right things at the right time? Not everything deserves your time and attention. Um, so, point. you know, I've, I've learned through the years, you know, as much as we think we're multitasking and we're, we're getting so much done, we're actually sometimes spinning our wheels. So you really Good need stuff. to think about everyone, all of us have the same inventory of time and it's a non-renewable resource. That's so, good stuff. Good stuff. So doctor. you need to use your time wisely, right? Are you using it wisely in your work? in your personal life, because you're not getting it back. I'm not getting this hour back. I want to make sure I'm using the hour in a way that benefits me and, and my goals, my business's goals. So that sometimes I see people doing work that they feel is so important, 
but in the spectrum of priorities, it's really down at the bottom. So they think it's important, but really it's not. So just if you take a few minutes and really think about what are the three most important things for me to do today and, and nail them, then if you have time left over, you can work on other things. But let's get your priorities. If you take a minute and think about it, you can use your time wisely. Love that line about, hey, we can't go back. This is not a movie. We can't just hit rewind and play this stuff over, right? It's one shot. It's a one shot deal. So for all of you listening out there that wasted an hour and a half today with your thumb scrolling through Facebook and looking at dumb videos, just to, just remember, you don't, you don't get that hour and a half back. It doesn't come back. Like you can't go backwards and do it again. Uh, it's so important. Really good advice. Last question, doctor. Um, if you had to put your core purpose in life into a sentence, and I forced you to push it away from your children and your husband. So let's just set family aside for a minute and assume that's number one. But beyond that, what is your core purpose in life right now? I think it's to help people find their career joy. Mm. Find that thing that they do well and that makes them happy at the end of the day. It's so important. I feel sorry for all those people that are driving to work every day, hating life. It doesn't have to be that way. Right. Yeah, just because you can do the job, if it's not making you happy, you know, there's so many avenues that you can pursue to find that joy, right? There really, there really is. There really is. You do not have to be unhappy. Listen, if you're listening to this podcast right now, I just want to encourage you. If you're driving 58 minutes on a one-way commute and sitting in a dark cubicle and you hate your life and you hate the job, like, just stop it. You don't have to do that. I know people get so wrapped up in, well, I need this job because I just bought that boat and that boat payments this and this and that. And they're, trying, they're tying it all to their personal finances. And so they feel like it's a prisoner. Like, you, it doesn't have to be that way. You can make a change. I really want to encourage people. You can change the situation you're in if you really want to. The, the people that complain to me about their jobs, but yet their LinkedIn profile is not updated. They haven't sent out any resumes. They, have, they don't go to any networking events, but they're driving to work every day hating life. It's like, no, man, get off your ass and do something about it. You can make a change. Sorry, I'm, getting, I'm going off my soapbox here. <laughs> but, but, but your point is, is just so true. I mean, we can, and, and, and it actually takes, if you just take a minute and talk to some other people, find out what are some other alternatives for you, ways that... You know, maybe you, you're doing a job, you're doing it very well, but you're just tired of doing it. It's, right. It's, you know, you've, you, you need to find the next challenge for yourself. Start asking people, you know, how can I use my skills differently? How can I, you know, maybe contribute in a different way to the organization? What are the areas of interest you have? Um, it's it just become curious about how you can create impact in a different way for your company and for yourself. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Rosina. Great interview. Really appreciate you being on the Rider Flex podcast. Well, I enjoyed it. Love talking to you. This was fabulous. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button. If you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to hit that little bell next to the subscribe button so you can be notified when we release a new episode. Our show features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there. 
as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get information on the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.